0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: On the telephone line with me is one of the best opinion generators who covers the NBA on a day-in, day-out basis. He does it for his own website, hoopscritic.com. Also for Sirius XM's NBA radio. And every once in a while, they put his somewhat handsome face on NBA TV. Uh, Brian Geltz, good enough to jump aboard with me here on CBS Sports Radio.
0: How you doing, Geltz? I'm good, Jody. How you doing? Listen, you're being overly generous. I have a face for radio. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> That's
1: kept me working for the last 30 some odd years uh being smart <laughs> enough to not be on TV all too often. Uh we're coming down to the home stretch of the NBA season. Most teams four games left, some five in the, the, the general vicinity. And all of a sudden things are, have a kind of separated themselves out a little bit. We've got a pretty good grasp on what the playoff situation is going to look like. Let me start out west. LeBron James a no-go again tonight for the Lakers. He missed upwards of six weeks with his injury, came back, did not look very LeBron-like in the couple games that he's played, and it's been another week on top of it. I- I'm counting on LeBron James for next to nothing in the playoffs. Am I making a major mistake?
0: I don't think so. Listen, Jody, you know, there's an old expression. Father time is undefeated, right? Yep. At a certain point in time, he becomes a 36-year-old player that's coming off the worst injury he's had in his career, an injury that historically has been difficult for a player of any age to recover in the time frame he needs to recover from for the Lakers to make a meaningful run. And here he is, you know, comes back two games in, doesn't have the same explosion, doesn't have, doesn't have the same burst, and at a certain point in time, it, you know, that's going to creep up on him. The age is going to creep up on him, and, and I think for him here, I think you're right. I, I don't know how much they're going to get out of him. You know, we talked about when LeBron signed with the Lakers and Anthony Davis came there, there was at a certain point in time going to be a transition where Davis becomes the guy that has to carry them that could be coming sooner than I think anybody really wanted it to or expected it to. And in the end, when you look at the big picture, this could end up being a transition year from James as the guy to Davis as the guy and kind of having injuries and COVID and everything else that we've all gone through here, kind of be the smoky gun, so to speak. But I think that's kind of where we're going with the Lakers here. And not to say the Lakers aren't going to make some noise in the playoffs. They can win around. They can potentially win two. I think they're still capable of beating anybody. But when you come from the seventh seed, have to go through a play-in, won't have home court in any playoff series you play in, I think at a certain point in time saying they can beat anyone is absolutely true. But I think it becomes overly difficult and too hard for them to beat everyone.
1: Mm, this is a difficult question to ask, so I'm just going to ask you to speculate. Did LeBron make a mistake by trying to come back too fast? Gets two games in, didn't have the burst, didn't have the explosion. Now another week on top of it. Should they have just waited a little bit longer and maybe he comes back with a little bit more of a burst or am I reading too much into it?
0: I think, you know, some of it's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, Jody. Oh, like yeah. it's We can easily say that now, Who you know, On the other hand, if he waited till he was closer to 100 percent, was it going to matter all that much? And how are we looking at it like the Lakers need him like yesterday and he's waiting further? I mean, when LeBron's up to play and LeBron's going to come out and play, listen, this guy spends millions of dollars every year on keeping his body a temple. He knows his body better than anybody. He's going to come back and give it a run. But this is new ground for him. He's never been 36 coming off this kind of injury, and I think you're seeing a lot of outward frustration from him regarding this. I I, I don't know that we can second guess though, because I think it's it's just it's tough to. The fact is is that a high ankle sprain takes a long time to heal up totally and go away. And for a guy his age, as athletic as he is, as well-conditioned as he is, I think what we are seeing here is the end of prime LeBron James. I think that that is out there right in front of us right now. Not to say he won't have great moments again in the NBA. Not to say he won't win again in the NBA. But the athletic prime of LeBron James is most likely in the rearview mirror.
1: Did we learn anything about the other members of the Lakers? Davis to Davis, we all know what Davis is. Like you just said, at some point it's going to be Davis with LeBron playing Robin to him, maybe quicker than we thought, But we all believe that the supporting cast was good. They changed a couple of pieces from last year. Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder, we thought, would fit nicely around him. But those guys were kind of asked to step up a little bit more than expected with the injuries that the Lakers had. And for me, they pretty much fell flat on their face. Am I being unfair to them?
0: I don't think so. Listen, I think Schroeder is a guy that was going to ultimately prove his worth to them come playoff time. And I think to a certain extent that still exists. This, you know, episode where he ends up in the health and safety protocols, and I'm, I don't know the circumstances, so I'm not going to take the step to blame Schroeder for the fact that that happened, but that didn't exactly help him build some momentum going into um, this playoff season. And let's face it, Dennis Schroeder a free agent this season, and he's asked the Lakers for max money. And the Lakers, you know, one of the reasons that his name was in the mix for Kyle Lowry trade, Jody, was because he's asked for max money. And if you're going to ask for that money, you're going to have to go out and prove that you're worth it. And so the playoffs are going to be very, very big for Dennis Schroeder. Listen, Harold's an interesting case. I think that the Lakers were very excited when they first got Harold. They understood that he could help you with a whole bunch of inside scoring and scoring off the bench during the regular season. But they also understood what the Clippers knew about Harold last year, which is that he can't guard anybody meaningfully in the playoffs. You're going to put him in a big spot in the playoffs. Teams are going to run, pick, and roll at him, and they're going to be successful doing it what I think is interesting about Harold with the Lakers is they figured that out before. I think even the Clippers did last year, because as soon as the, the Lakers brought in Drummond, Harold's role has been significantly marginalized and that's going to continue right now. I think at this stage of the game, think about how deep they are at four and five. When you talk about Kuzma and Davis and Drummond, and even Marcus all who's played a little better for them as of late. I think I'm, playoff spots, they're going to trust those guys because of the the whole mentality of being conscientious defensively. They're going to trust those guys more than they trust Montrose Harrell. So I think in the end, the Harrell signing ends up being much ado about nothing.
1: With the Lakers severely compromised going into the postseason, if you're a basketball fan in L.A. and not a Laker fan, you'd be a Clipper fan saying, hey, look at the door is open for us. And then you realize, oh, shoot, we're third in the West, which means, yeah, we'll get home court advantage the first round. But the second round already, we're not in home court advantage. And the championship round, if it goes to suit, yeah, we're going to have to win on the road as well. Uh, have the Clippers missed out on a major opportunity here?
0: Not yet, but it's certainly kind of sticking out there. Now, listen, the Clippers have a couple things. And First of all, the Knicks really exposed the Clippers today in this way. So Derrick Rose was pretty much unguardable for them. They tried Patrick Beverly. It didn't work. They tried Reggie Jackson. It didn't work. He destroyed Rondo for the time that Rondo tried to guard him. And when you look at other very good dynamic lead guards in the Western Conference, you know they could be up against Damian Lillard in the first round. That could be a problem. They could be up against Chris Paul on the road in the second round. That could be a problem. But to me, the biggest issue the Clippers have right now, listen, the Clippers made an addition in the offseason – and in addition here at the trade deadline, that was probably two perfect pieces for what they needed. One of them is on the court doing what he does, and that's John Rondo. The other one is Serge Ibaka, who's missed over 20 games here, close to 25 games with a back problem right now. They don't get Ibaka on the floor. Listen, I know Zubac's a good young player. Joey, he can't defend the way you need a guy to defend when you're in a playoff situation. He just can't. Ibaka can. He's a stretch five, an open space for Leonard and George. It makes everything easier on both ends of the floor. If they don't get a Baca back healthy, that's a big problem for them. And, and listen, I don't know if the Lakers are going to be the team that wins this conference. The Jazz still needs to get Mitchell and Conley. I don't know that we've seen a Western conference this wide open ever, really. And it's been a long time since you've seen a situation where if everything falls right for one of really, if we're being real about it, for one of seven teams, if everything falls right, they could go to the NBA Finals. They're all really good teams, high-quality teams. The Western Conference playoffs is going to be maybe more interesting than it's been in years this year, and I'm very, very excited for it.
1: Hoops critic, our buddy Brian Geltz, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let me go to a guy you just referenced. That would be Derrick Rose, who had a huge game against the Clippers. Knicks go on the road out to L.A. in Staples and beat the Clippers, make a statement of their own, and Derrick Rose was the best player on the floor today. I feel somewhat justified because uh last year Derek Rose's name was kicked around at the trade deadline with the Pistons and the seventy sixers were prominently mentioned. And a lot of people in Philadelphia were we want no part of Derek Rose. What does Derek Rose bring to the table for us? He's not the Derek Rose he used to be and I said you're right, he was an MVP. He's not that anymore. But he's still a guy who can make his own shot, can handle, can uh, uh, take charge of a game, get you a big bucket when you need it. Why wouldn't you want uh, Derrick Rose? He never got traded. Sixers surely didn't get him. The Knicks did. And it just seems that he and Tom Thibodeau have some kind of relationship. I don't know if it's a Gali kind of thing, but he just plays better for Tibbs than he does anybody else. How huge was his addition to the Knicks?
0: Well, it's, I mean, you there. I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but this is a team that's playing over 650 basketball with Derrick Rose on the team, and, and that and they are a they are plus 13 points per 100 possessions of Rose on the court versus not having Rose on the court. That's a huge number, Jody. Yeah. Rose has meant everything to this basketball team. He's been the perfect complement. Listen, the Knicks don't like to employ a point guard necessarily. It's one of the reasons Quickly fits so well. They like him to be able to shoot and score. Randall handles the ball a heck of a lot. When Randall doesn't, they'll Barrett to do it. So they don't need – a and, and Rose will initiate some offense for you but Rose is most comfortable where getting people involved is not his burden. He can, he can attack and go to the basket. But Rose has also done something that I haven't heard anybody talk about, but I see it with my own eyes, and it's been something that has preserved his career in so many ways. Derek Rose was the king of non-contact injuries early in his career. You'd watch Rose go to the basket, he'd get airborne, he'd come down a knee, an ankle, something. And the other thing Rose did was absorbed a lot of contact at the rim Derek Rose plays off two feet now, Jody. He doesn't go sky high to the rim very often at all. Everything is a jump stop and a pivot, and he's using his footwork and his craft around the basket instead of trying to go up and through guys. He's staying healthier. He's as as effective as he was then, if not more now. And athletically, he's not what he was. So I don't know if he's going to go up and through guys the way he used to anyway. Playing off two feet has been everything for Derek Rose. He's built so much confidence here, and the Knicks, this is a team that what's happened with the Knicks here, and it's a little dangerous for other teams that are going to play in the Eastern Conference, there's synergy there in terms of the, the, the the whole is more than the sum of the parts. There's a chemistry there among these guys, a belief in one another. They buy into everything Tom is selling. They defend as good as any team in the league. They're as athletic as most teams in the league. What Barrett and Bullock do as wing defenders night in and night out is something people don't, people don't talk about enough. And Nerlens Noel, allows them to not have to switch stuff because he shows on every single screen his man set and recovers quickly. There's so many fundamentally great things they do defensively that they're dangerous right now. And Rose has been an enormous addition. They've needed that offensively. But there is something going on in New York right now with this team. And today is as quality a win as you will have during an NBA regular season, no matter who you are. A legit title contender on the other side with most all their guys healthy, and you come in into their building and you take care of business in a decisive fashion with your best player. By the way, Julius Randle not having a great game, only having 14 points. hit a few huge shots down the stretch, but largely they did it without Randle today, without having him at the top of this game. The Knicks are legit, Jody.
1: It was an impressive win, and legit is a word I would absolutely use to describe the Knicks. They're basically i do don't want to say they're a lock now, but they're in really good shape to get that fourth seed, which means first round, they're going to get home court advantage. Let me play devil's advocate on the opposite side, though. The one thing I see as a kind of a uh, hurdle that the Knicks have to get over is they have trouble— they're arguably the best defensive team in the NBA, but— One area that they have some issues with is defending scoring bigs. If you've got a big who can score, then that's something that the Knicks have more difficulty handling than talented players on the perimeter, like you said, pick-and-roll defense. They do all of that. Mano-a-mano scoring bigs issue. They could get Miami in the first round, and Bam Adebayo could be someone who's difficult for them to defend. If they get lucky, don't get Miami, get Atlanta, That's good. They can advance. Then they get Joel Embiid and the Sixers in the next round, which is going to be a handful. And then if they get through somehow, beat Philadelphia, you're looking at Giannis as a possibility in the final. And I think they have issues with Giannis. As good as the Knicks story has been, and it's been great, there are a couple teams in the East that throw that one monkey wrench into what the Knicks do real well. Yay or no?
0: Listen, Jody. You play a 72-game season, generally, you know, your sample sizes aren't all that subject to random outcomes. The Knicks are probably going to finish in the fourth seed. It looks that way right now. They're, you know, this is a big win today. They play the Lakers Tuesday night, and the road trip's over, and they finish their season. Odds are they'll finish in the fourth seed, and they're probably the fourth, team, fourth, fourth best team in the East. When you look at the standings and the gap between the wins of three and four, it's a whole lot larger between three and eight and three and 10, uh, you know, that three, four gap in the East is huge. The Knicks are nowhere close to being as good as Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philadelphia. It, it's just, it's hard. They are who they are. But I think when you look at the, the you want to use a measuring stick for the Knicks season and look at what they're expected to do at the beginning of the year and what they've managed to achieve, I think it's been an incredibly successful season. And I mean, the Knicks going into a playoff series with home court with a legit chance to advance to the second round is as successful as they could have ever imagined. And and one of the things that should excite you as a Knicks fan, 20-year-old R.J. Barrett's going to be playing in playoff games, potentially in a second-round playoff game, in games that matter a ton. And this is a kid who they killed his shooting when he came into the league. You know what? He has been a close to a 45% three-point shooter since the month of February. His shooting has come around in such a way. He's a big physical defender. I watched him today go toe-to-toe with Kawhi Leonard and do a heck of a job on Kawhi and force Kawhi into You know, he ended up with, I think, 29 points on 26 shots. Barrett made life really difficult on him, and a bunch of those were in garbage time when the Clippers were crawling back. He was fantastic today. You get him playing in playoff games and that kind of experience. And that's what this is about for the Knicks. The Knicks are not going to win a championship. They're not going to go to finals in the East. They're just not that team right now, but they all of a sudden have become a team that's a step or two away. The right addition, the right break goes right for them. And all of a sudden they're right there with these top teams. That's the position they put themselves in. And with where they came from, that's a heck of an accomplishment.
1: I like your take on them, uh, but let me get you one more in on the next one. We'll be elsewhere. Um, Speaking of expectations, I thought when they got Obi Toppin in the draft this past year was a major piece. I thought he'd step right in. I saw him as NBA ready, and he was going to be a contributing guy. Somewhere along the way, he got lost. And I think for the first two-thirds of the season, you would actually say pretty damn disappointing rookie year. He's picked it up a little of late. Give me your what can Obi Toppin do for the Knicks between now and the end of the season, whenever that comes. And has he done enough for you to say, all right, yeah, this was a pretty good pick. This guy's got a chance to be a foundation pick for the team going forward.
0: All right, so let's be fair about this, Jody. All right? This kid was drafted to be the starting four. No one, no one predicted that that Julius Randle would do what he did this season and emerge as an all-NBA guy. All right, so so they ended, they, and they figured they were going to listen. They were looking, they were shopping Julius Randle in a Westbrook package to start. I mean, that's where the Knicks were on this, Jody. They, they were ready to trade Julius Randle. So Toppin was supposed to come in and be the starting four. Randle emerges as an all NBA guy, and you have Obi Toppin on your team. Toppin is, he, Tom does not want to play him at the five. He's using Noelle Gibson right now at the five in the, abs- in the absence of Mitchell Robinson. It's worked out very well. But he doesn't want to put that on Obi defensively, so he's playing Toppin exclusively when Randall sits at the four. I played ten minutes today. He had seven points. He hit a three. Nice. He finished around the cup. He's doing everything he's asked to do. He's playing smart help defense. He's playing a role right now. The Knicks right now are larger than developing one particular player, and Toppin mm-hmm. kind of ended up in a little bit of a hard luck spot because the guy that emerged as an All NBA guy from the Knicks is year played the same position Obi does. And Tom's not looking to move him at this point till there's some training camp and some practice, and he can figure out going into next year. The other thing for the Knicks is that with their financial situation and their cash space, they could make a significant deal somewhere. And Obi Toppin's a fantastic asset to sprinkle in. If you want to get involved with in Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns and there's rumblings, Carl Anthony Towns would love to be in New York. Obi Toppin is a lead piece with a bunch of picks and maybe another player to an asset or two. It's something that teams are kind of going to perk up a little bit on because Obi Toppin's a tremendous athlete. and He's got a lot of ability. This Randall thing was nothing anybody anticipated. In the end, it's a little bit of something that the Knicks haven't had in a long time, which is some riches, a little bit of embarrassment of riches here at the four position because Toppin's a really good young player and he's gonna he will have success success, whether it's with the Knicks or somebody else in the NBA. That's the kind of guy that he is. It's just, again, Randall in front of him and Tom understanding that what he needs at the five isn't necessarily to live with Poppins growing pains. This is kind of spot he's language
1: in. Glad to hear you say that because I like the kid coming in and he's uh, flashing a little bit to make me believe I had the right read on him. All right, last thing, Gelts The team to beat in the Eastern Conference and make it to the NBA Finals is...
0: It's got to be the Brooklyn Mets, right, man? I mean, I, you know, listen, I, I, I so respect what the Sixers have done. Doc, and this has been one of, you know, listen, I didn't think last year was Doc's best coaching job. This one's damn close to his best coaching job. What he's done with them, when you think about how much of their offense centers around Embiid, and then you realize they're 11th in a league in pace. Which means he somehow, some way got them playing fast enough that they can play the Simmons' strengths. Also, like it, it, it's been really, really clever what Doc has done. And then you think about who Tobias Harris is when Doc Rivers doesn't coach him, and who he is when Doc Rivers does. And it's a very different guy. Also, like the Sixers are really good. It's just it's so hard to look at the Nets and not believe when Harden is back and you get Irving and Durant in the court together and, like, you watched Blake Griffin get 20 last night when they come back from 22 points down to beat Denver. And, and you realize how good that can be it's hard to say Brooklyn's not the team to beat. But I will say this Philadelphia and Milwaukee are much, much better defensive teams than Brooklyn. And in the end, what scares me about Brooklyn is what we saw last weekend, Sunday and Tuesday, where they went into Milwaukee for two games in that time and they had no answer for Giannis. And in the end, Milwaukee got just enough stops. And because Brooklyn had no answer for Giannis, they lost two games in a row. So I, I, I worry about Brooklyn's defense a lot because of their talent. I'll always say it's Brooklyn right now till it's not. But I think that Philly and Milwaukee are very, very viable candidates to go to the finals. And Philly has a distinct advantage because they only have to beat one of Brooklyn and Milwaukee because they're going to get home court. Brooklyn and Milwaukee have to not only beat one of each other, they got to go in and then beat Philly on the road, who has been, by the way, the second-best home team in the NBA this year. So I think the Sixers have put themselves in a wonderful position, but the Nets on talent alone have to be the team to beat.
1: The last reason is the reason that you should have said Philadelphia that they don't have to play each other in the second round and the Sixers get whoever gets through that 4-5 matchup, uh, and I think it makes it easier for them. And you did the same thing that everybody else does, and most of these are obnoxious Net fans that I'm talking about, They I know you're not. They all say when Harden, uh, Kyrie, and uh, KD all get on the court at the same time. For me, it's an if if they all get on the floor at the same time. It hasn't been a when all year, and I can't just say it's going to be when as soon as the playoff starts. We've got to wait and see on that. All right, Western Conference, the team that uh, the title runs through is what town, what squad?
0: Uh, I'm still going to say the Clippers right now, just because I look at everybody else in the conference. Even without Ibaka, they're actually the healthiest. Maybe Phoenix is healthier. But it's hard for me to decide that Devin Booker is going to lead a team. And I know Chris Paul has been a wonderful and amazing for them. And Aiton has played at a level that none of us could have imagined him getting to this quickly. of oh, that's wonderful for Phoenix. I still don't think they're deep enough. It's hard to trust them. I look at Utah, and I'm like, is Mitchell going to actually be back and in rhythm in time? Because nothing's going to be easy in front of the jump of the Western Conference playoffs. If you're Utah, you're drawing Steph Curry and the Warriors in the first round if you end up in the one seed. And by the way, if you're in the two and you're Phoenix, you're going to step in against LeBron and the Lakers. Like nothing is going to be easy. So when I look at that conference, I have to say, okay, who is in the best shape health-wise? Even when out of back, it's the Clippers. It really is. And again, they lost in the Knicks today at home but I still have a ton of confidence in how they can guard. That was a grind fest today, and the Clippers generally guarded very well without their best defensive big in the box. So, I, listen, am I strong and confident on them? Absolutely not. I love Denver and what's happened there. You know, they need Aaron Gordon to be in the lineup. He's so essential to what they do defensively. Porter has been wonderful as a shot maker, but you look at what Murray did last year in a bubble. It's hard to envision men going all that far, even with Porter being you know, a better player than he was last year. And that's a tough spot. I, I, I don't see it for Denver. There, Dallas. There's a chemistry problem between Doncic and Porzingis, and it's, it's they're not going to sit Porzingis. So ultimately, it's going to be somebody having trouble on talented Porzingis. So I don't know if Denver's going to be there. The Lakers, I mean, we talked about them earlier with LeBron and how that is. Geez, the Blazers, they got a puncher's chance there. Just because of how deep they are with all the guys they have, they can guard if Nurkic is healthy for the Blazers. They become very dangerous also. It it is wide open. You're asking me who the favorite is. I'm going to tell you it's still the Clippers right now. But the, the margins, Jody, are razor thin.
1: I agree on that. It is an unbelievably close conference Therefore, I'll take the chalk, and I'm a chalk-eating weasel. I'll take the 2-1 seats for one very specific reason. Utah at home, 31-4, and 4. Philadelphia at home, 27-7. and 7. Give me home court advantage, I'll take my chances with both of those two teams. Geltz, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate it whenever you come aboard. Uh, I know you said, how about later? I got to do the Mother's Day thing. I hope your mothers had a very nice day. Uh, thanks much for hopping on board with me tonight.
0: Anytime, Jody, happy and healthy Mother's Day to you and any one of your family. And it was always my pleasure, buddy. We'll do it again soon. Take care.
1: Brian Geltz, Iowa, HoopsCritic.com, Series XM NBA Radio, our guest here on.